Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow Welcome, everybody. It's another Tuesday night, and it's Blog Talk Radio with your host, John Fisher, a special guest, and someone we haven't heard from in a long time, Mr. Gunnar Simonson, just diet tuned in. Hi, Gunnar. How's it going? Gunnar. <laughs> oh, hello. Hmm. I don't know why I'm not picking it up. I, but, I hope uh, I hope I'm not I'm not hope I'm not supposed to be uh, do an imitation. Rame. No, you're not. You're you're, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> okay, do well, we'll a, just uh, that's okay. That's okay. Gunner, are you there? Okay, I don't know why he's not coming through, but um, he's a. Uh, uh, it's Tuesday night, and it's Blog Talk Radio, and um, we're excited to have you with us, and we're going to be talking to a very special guest in just a, a minute, and I'm I'm not going to banter very much in the front end because uh, I know we've got a lot to talk about tonight, and I don't want to take away much of his time, um, except uh, I would like to, at this time, introduce our guest, Raymond Presson from uh, Nashville, outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Raymond, good to have you with us. Oh, John, a pleasure. And uh, great to catch up with you last night and, and uh, talk with you last night and catch up on, on uh, what's been happening in yeah. our lives and really appreciate the invitation to join you for this uh, this session. Yeah, like I often say, and I think I might have told you this, uh, that uh, – what I love to do with this show is is uh, get my favorite people um, on board, and and I get to share them with my audience. And you know, I I, I think I'm sharing them with the whole world, which is uh, mm-hmm. you know certainly the potential because we're there, and and you can get it, and everybody can get it online. So um, uh, this is I'm excited. Uh, about having you, Raymond. Um, I've just to let our listeners know. I first met Raymond in, uh, when he was pastoring. Uh, I think he was working with singles at the time mm-hmm. in uh, right. West West Palm Beach, Florida. Right. And uh, so I got to uh, you know you're talking about me, you know sharing me with your friends. I got to share you because gotten to know you, and you know got to share you with people that were special to, to me, my my single adults and the the church. Uh, at large. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And there was something very special about that that first time. Um it was the uh it, it it was a service commissioning of a new pastor and his family and they were right. up on the stage 
and mm-hmm. there was this one little kid, his youngest son, <laughs> who right. was on the stage, and the whole family was just smiling and happy, and this <laughs> little kid looked like he just, someone had, you know, fed him a prune or something, because he was all twisted up, and I just loved it, and then when I opened the opened the bulletin to find out that this kid still even in the canned picture in the bulletin he still had the same face i got yeah his his personality was always coming out yeah and that guy became ben beamering in my mind and in my novel saint ben that was where it all started Mm -hmm. Uh, i remember I just follow can, that. I, can I can I tell a quick story on on and you you've heard this before but I think you know, our listeners will enjoy this. You know, later I well because we were in uh, we were doing a large singles pastors conference. Um I mean large conference, not large single adult pastors. We accepted single adult pastors of any size. But it was a large <laughs> conference for for single adult pastors there in La Laguna yeah. Miguel and so you were close by and so we um invite you in to uh, do a session with us and you did did some music and you were singing um you know love him in the morning when you see the sun arising and one of the younger single adults was standing single adult pastors was standing beside me and uh well and his name is brian grant and i've never let him live this down he when you were singing that song he goes oh wow i i didn't know that he wrote that and I said, I said, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what else he wrote. Um, I said, uh, are you familiar with Kumbaya? He goes, well, <laughs> duh, yeah. I said, John wrote that. Get out. No way. <laughs> and I let him go for a little bit. I said, gosh, Brian, you were, you were so gullible. <laughs> yeah. So, John, John, I know that you've been around for a while. You know, we're the pioneers. Yeah, but of, not that uh, far. Contemporary Christian music, but you know, you you don't go that far back that you wrote "Kumbaya." But the royalties yeah. would probably be pretty great if you did, don't you think? Yeah, I, I don't think anybody has that song. I would be surprised if they do. It it you know it came from uh, Africa somewhere. I think I don't know. It's 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 wild. But gosh, it's it's so much fun to uh, to to have you on. And and you know, I'm thinking about. You, when I first met you, you were a pastor, and uh, in Florida, and now you are a, a, a clinical psychologist in uh, in in Nashville area, and you've been doing that for some time. So, um, you know, you you've been a pastor and a counselor. What do you like best? Yeah, and those were really overlapping. I I'd never I never intended to be a pastor. I knew since I was a junior in high school, I wanted to be a Christian counselor and. That's the track I was following, and my first position out of grad school was to work with Dr. Gary Chapman at a church in North Carolina, and they had a counseling center there. And to make a long story short, the, the job description kept expanding to, at one point, it was family life counseling associate and single adult program coordinator. They couldn't even fit all that on a business card. Um, and I was so I was doing both counseling and some single adult ministry work, and that led to me being invited to come to the church in West Palm and focus on single adult ministry. But 
you know, any time that you're in ministry in, in a large church, you're going to be doing counseling. So, you know, I, I kept up my certification and and mm-hmm. uh, uh, counseling opportunities with, with church members was uh, was never <laughs> that was never lacking. But then, um, mm-hmm. several about, actually about ten years ago, um, came off the the staff. I've actually moved here to be on staff of a large church outside of Nashville. Um, came off the, the, the staff and went back into to private practice. And um, you know, the bulk of my work is actually working with, with couples, and that's probably influenced by having worked with and been mentored by Dr. Gary Chapman, so the emphasis on mm-hmm. on, on marriage. So been a licensed marriage therapist and a, uh, an assistant pastor for almost the, the same uh, length, yeah. length of time. okay. And uh, so, yeah, I, I wrote a col- John. I wrote a column uh, a couple of years ago. I do a newspaper uh, column for a, um, in the Williamson Herald, and I wrote a column about what I miss about being uh, a pastor and what I don't. And, and there hmm. are some you know, some things, and that's probably true for a lot of us that have been in church ministry, pastoral ministry, and have come out. There's there's things you know, there's things that you miss and. Um, there's some things that you don't. You don't. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Wow, um, I'm sure that's true. I, um, you said that you were counseling. You wanted to be a counselor really early on. That that seems a little unusual to me. I mean, how how old were you when when you decided that this was going to be what you wanted to be? Yeah, like I said, I, I knew when I was a junior in, in high school. Because I I knew when I was a junior I took a an early acceptance to Wingate College near Charlotte North Carolina knew that I was going to go there two years get my psychology degree at Wake Forest and was I remember having when I was a, a junior in high school uh, graduate school materials and when I was a junior in high school mm-hmm. I went to those little engraving stores and had Dr Raymond Preston put on a little plaque and put on my bedroom door no uh, kidding. And, and and uh, I, I was on the tennis team, and I tell folks I, I'm the only person I know that uh, is a junior in high school was subscribing to Tennis Magazine and Psychology Today magazine. I mean, what, <laughs> it's sort of scary, John. You know what 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 kind of kid uh, subscribes to Psychology Today magazine? Yeah, but I, I, I was yeah. just always fascinated by what makes people tick, particularly relationships, how relationships work, and um, wow. So yeah, I've have. Um, well, I, like I said, I never thought I would be a pastor. I knew that I wanted to be a Christian counselor, and so that was my mm-hmm. idea of what ministry would be. And, um, and God had a yeah. had a scenic a scenic route in mind with that too. What do you enjoy counseling? What do you, what do you like the most about counseling people? I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's going to sound sort of either cliche or obvious, but you know, feeling that you've really been helpful to be able to come alongside, and I I still have have yet I mean, been doing this for thirty years, but I still don't take it for granted that you know someone will contact me, and even if someone's recommended, but that, gosh, someone will come sit down in my office, and I'm I'm a virtual stranger to them. But that they will entrust their story, um, you know, that mm-hmm. they invite me to speak into their st- 
story, and you know, it's not just about giving advice, mm-hmm. but come alongside and and care, um, which, which is one of the things that I really enjoyed, especially about being assistant pastor, is you know, people inviting you alongside into some of the most profound um, you know moments in their in their lives. Um, but yeah, that wow. the satisfaction of feeling helpful and people feeling uh, cared for. Um, so when people say to me sometimes, John, gosh, I, I don't know how you do it, listen, listen to people's problems all day. And I really don't experience it because that sounds like, gosh, that's such a downer, such a drain, and I really don't experience it that way. Mm. It's mm. It feels like a privilege, and it's gratifying when I feel like I'm being helpful. I admit that when I don't feel like I'm being helpful, I feel disappointed or frustrated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But probably more often than not, you are, you are, you are helping people. I would guess. Yeah, and that that keeps me that, that keeps me coming back, you know, day after day. Because if if I didn't feel like I was helping, um, gosh, I, I'd feel like I need to find something else, something else to do. Because it would just be too hard to keep coming back day after day. And, and yeah. hearing difficult stories and situations, and feeling like I'm not doing anything for for, for these people. So, yeah. so feeling helpful well, and seeing them make progress and breakthroughs is what keeps me coming back day after day. Now, do you? Um, I, I imagine that you do a lot of counseling with Christian people, but uh, I bet you also have some unbelievers or non-Christians that you counsel. Is that true? Um, oh, de- definitely. Because even though yeah. if people were to look at my website, they would see that there's, uh, I mean, my, my background is assistant pastor and the books I write. I mean, you, you'd have to overlook or ignore that there's this Christian yeah. uh, worldview and faith orientation. But, you know, even in a place like, you know, Nashville, which is, you know, referred to as like the buckle, the Bible belt. I'd say about half of the uh, individuals and couples, John, that come to me for mm-hmm. counseling are not, you know, seeking, quote, Christian counseling. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Do you – is it is it different? I mean, do you – is there a difference between uh, counseling someone who's a Christian and someone who's not? Well, I'd say, yeah, because well, because one of the things that that our profession is required to do is uh, respect and, and honor, you know, someone's belief system and not try to impose. So there's there's an honoring and a respect. Um, yeah. And but for me, there's there's certainly an advantage uh, when I. When I have a Christian couple that identifies, and I know that they are seeking Christian counseling, is that you know we have this. Um, it's not just that we have this this, this you know, Christian faith in common, but we've got this a frame of reference in the scriptures and the, the, the teachings and the, the the life and the modeling of Christ. As here's our frame of reference and authority. For you know what what's right, what's appropriate, what's what's healthy in relationships, and so 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're working with an individual or a couple with, without that, you know, there's you're you have to try to find out what their uh, what their basis of authority, what their frame of reference of mm-hmm. you know what's mm-hmm. what's right, where, where where are they getting their messages and, and, and modeling from? But with Christians, mm-hmm. it's Mm-hmm. We potentially have you know, we're starting off with this you know foundation that we can agree on that I can make reference to that, yeah. that speaks to them. Yeah, you know, we grew up. You go back when I was was a early early child. You know, I mean, as a as a Christian in a, in a church, we we grew up. Uh, with the the myth that Christians were already fixed, you know, I mean, we we were the engine the engine was up and purring and everything is just going great with us, you know, and uh, we got to get those bad people out there because they're all messed up and they want it. we need to help them become Christians like us, and uh, you know, in fact, a Christian going to counseling, you know, forty years ago would be frowned upon uh in a lot in a lot of my circles at least mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so right. uh because oh right. you, you know you're supposed to go to the lord that's what do you need counseling for you just go to you got the bible right. just go to the lord you know right. or at least, and, or at least uh, just, you know go go at least just go talk to your pastor yeah yeah so it, it, tell me yeah. tell, tell me the truth are are Christians just as messed up as non Christians or <laughs> how, how is it? Huh? <laughs> um yeah, I mean I, I, I hate to say this, John, but, but, but sometimes um particularly if you know, when you see people that uh either over spiritualize or will will take you know, a spiritual concept, a scripture, an, an idea, and take it kicking and screaming somewhere it doesn't want to go. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, you, you see some pretty, uh, pretty dysfunctional things. I mean, one of the things that sociologists, you know, often tell us is that, I mean, some of the most dysfunctional families and, and some of the, you know, even abusive kind of things, can happen in. Um, really fundamentalist, uh, legalistic uh, you know, yeah. families where, where, where there's this very, very strong authority base, and you don't question that, and bad things can happen to yep. you if you, you know, question question that authority. Um, but uh, yeah, the, but the idea that even outside of that, that you know, we we come to Christ and um, our either our problems or Mm-hmm. Family issues, emotional issues, or are, are just um, either yep. alleviated or you know uh, upgraded to something that you know. Gosh, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I w- I would bet in some ways, uh, not all across the board, but in some ways, uh, uh, the Christians might might be worse off. Is that possible? Than 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 non Christians sometimes. Um, yeah, because one I mean, one of the things that um, particularly in working with Christian individuals and, and couples, if they're if they're mindful of of what some of the standards and frame frame of reference are, um, 
that you, I, you know, I see things like um, you know Christians projecting onto God that they're they're being punished, um, mm. yeah, um, or you know having an inaccurate because they they believe in God, and then it's a matter of you know they're, they're wrestling with and doing battle with their you know, concept of of God that yeah. is often not. You're not not accurate, um, right? But, uh, so there's a lot lot to fix. You got to unlearn some things. Uh, I think that's true for a lot of Christians who grew up with it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think of you know Paul saying you know, to, to be transformed by by the renewing of, of your mind, and the, the Greek words there are the word transformed is this. Um, the, the verb tenses suggest this ongoing, continual work, and the word for the renewing of your mind is this ongoing, continual work. And so you have you know, Paul saying, you know, we're we're in process, we're always in process, and to participate in this mm-hmm. ongoing work of the Lord and the Holy Spirit in sanctifying us and, and growing us and, and, and healing us. Um, so the, the, you know the idea that either upon conversion or at, at some number of years of being a Christian that um, we will will have arrived. And, and you know, Paul Paul said that I you know not that I've already obtained this, but this one thing mm-hmm. that I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I, I press on. He's saying I I'm, I'm an apostle and I'm. Still working yeah. some of this stuff out. That's helpful. That's really helpful. Um, let's get right to, to your book. I, I really want to talk about uh, this. Is my favorite book title. I have to say, um, <laughs> for a Christian book, when will my life not suck? Authentic hope for the disillusioned. Now, tell me, how did you come up with that title? Well, the, where the title comes from is um, what the, the uh, Bible study leader one Sunday morning told was, was telling me about what had happened in a previous uh, study in, in, the, in their home where there's a group of ladies. And folks have to understand, Brent, Brentwood, um, I'm not sure, I mean, you know what it would be for where you are in California, but you know Brentwood is a, a very affluent suburb of of Nashville, so you have mm-hmm. affluent prim and proper ladies that are in this large church you know Bible study and so Carla they're going through a study in the you know, book of of Joshua, and at some point, Cindy interrupts and says, "Excuse me this." study of the Israelites crossing the Jordan into the promised land is all really interesting and everything, but I have a question. When's my life not going to suck? <laughs> and so there's this, this raw honesty. And, wow. You, you know, you imagine in this, you know, grim proper uh, Southern Baptist Church women's Bible study, you know, you just don't say that. And so there's this stunned, shock thing, and people are looking to Carla like, do something, say something, rescue us. And Carla, who's just a wonderfully wise woman, just sort of lets that 
question hang in the air to see what the group will do with it. And mm-hmm. another lady spoke up and said, yeah, that's that's what I want to know. When's my life not going to suck? And so then the, now the group is really a sort of at a crossroads um, you know, are they? You know, so now there's an invitation on the table to be authentic, and what are they going to do with that? And not every person, and not everyone said it quite in that vernacular, but there began mm-hmm. to be this dropping of the mask and acknowledging, um, here's some things that are going on in my life. I know it looks all this and this from 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 the outside as a real turning point in the group. So when Carl was telling me that story. You know, I just thought, when will my life not suck? Yeah, that's that's in essence the question my clients ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just the 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 candor and the rawness of that you know, question. Um, you know, really really jumped out. So I didn't. That was okay. That's that's going to be the title. And then then the challenge was uh, a Christian publisher that would uh, accept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Except that title, we had several that said, "God, we love the manuscript, uh, but would he you know, ask my agent would he be willing to change it to When Will My Life Not Stink?" Uh, <laughs> no, not When Will My Life Not Stink. That's so lame. Plus, that's not that's not what Cindy said. That's not what my clients. Mm-hmm. That's not their mm-hmm. feeling. Uh, you know, come into my office or other counselor's office because their life has a slightly off mm-hmm. odor. It's something is really broken. <laughs> wow! So it it is. It cuts through a lot, doesn't it? It, it would seem to me that it, it's a it's a kind of title that's going to draw the person to it that that you really want to talk to i would think is that is, have you found that to be true exactly it's you know that that title john has opened some doors and it's uh closed some doors um there's um <laughs> there's a large bookstore chain that wouldn't uh, uh carry it because of the title now they would order it for you <laughs> but they wouldn't put it <laughs> put it on the shelf um despite Dr. Gary Chapman writing the forward, which is one of their favorite authors, but uh, I digress. Um, yeah, so the, the title closed some doors as far as where the book would be sold, and uh, I remember a, a radio interview that was scheduled and then mm-hmm. canceled, but yeah, it's it's opened the doors to reach and get into the hands of people that I really wrote it for. Because quite frankly, yeah, if it's not that I wanted it to be like shock value, but if if the title offends you, then it's it's not for you, and that's right, and and that's okay. Or if you don't resonate with the title, then maybe your life isn't there. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's one of the, the things that's been most encouraging. You know, reading, getting emails, and I'm, you've experienced the same thing. It's what's mm-hmm. most gratifying, I'm sure, for you as an author, John. It's not it's not the sales figures. It's you know someone telling you, or you getting an email or a letter and telling you know telling you this was was happening in my life, and this is what mm-hmm. 
how your book helped me at a strategic time. That's that's what it makes it feel like. You know, writing a book is worth all the hassle. Yep, that's for sure. Are you so? And, and that, has you that been so, the case for you? Yes, it has. Absolutely, uh, those are the things that that really count. Um, are you still happy with the title? Oh yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, wouldn't change, wouldn't change it. it I actually anything. wrestled the most with the uh, you know the because I was trying to come up with what's what's a what's the subtitle. How do we want to you know, authentic hope for the disillusion? I, I told you when we were talking last night. Um, what I'm excited about is, uh, and like the title enough that we're actually writing a teen edition. My my uh, high school uh, senior son Cameron is an excellent writer and very spiritually sensitive and, and alert. And he and I are finishing up the, the manuscript for the teen ed- edition of uh, When Will My Life Not Suck. Great. With more the teenagers. A, a, a t- right, exactly. Uh, written for for teenagers, and, and Cameron's voice um, has input cool. in there, so that yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited about about writing a book with my son. That's oh man, that's what a privilege that would be. I um, yeah, I can I can certainly understand that, and uh, I've got a son who's been who's been talking about wanting to be involved in some way with my ministry. So um, mm-hmm. that, that that just blows me away that he even has that desire. Yeah. So uh, right, yeah. Right. So we've yeah. we've been looking at what we can do with that. Well, I want to get to. Um, you know, I'm going to get right into Chapter 7 on your book because mm-hmm. uh, it, Chapter 7 takes on the big why question. And uh, that's always the, the super big question, especially for mm-hmm. non-Christians. You know, why mm-hmm. why do we have suffering? Why do we have hunger and pain in the world? And why would a loving God let all these kind of things happen? Um and uh in chapter 7 you i have to i have to tell you Raymond you surprised me because you found two verses i thought i knew the new testament but you you found a couple of verses i didn't even know jesus talked about <laughs> i mean he talked about the galileans and their sacri- and their blood sacrifice and then this power falling on everybody i said you got to yeah. be kidding me how long have i read the bible i've never seen those two and then <laughs> then to understand so I got to have you tell us. Can you just teach us a little bit from from those two stories and, and what they mean? I know we could probably talk forever on it, but can you sure. can you put that in a nutshell for us, maybe? Sure. Um, yeah, we're talking about the the chapter seven, which is uh, moving from from why to to what next. And like you said, the um, folks, whether Christians or, or non Christians, um, re- trying to reconcile if if God is you know, all knowing, all powerful, all loving. How do I reconcile that um, supposed truth with what's happening in my life, or what's happening in Paris, or what's happening in in Syria, or what's you know, happening? Um, yeah. You know, whether it's something that's uh, a natural disaster or something that's that's very very evil, and so. You picture them, the, you know, these set of scales where they're trying to make that you know, balance out. Um, but yeah, this this passage. I'm like you when I when I 
you know, read this passage, I'm going, has this been in the New Testament the, the whole time? Is this <laughs> like a new, like, is this, yeah. did they find this? Did they, you know, Eugene Peterson find this or something? Um, but Luke's, <laughs> I'm going to read the passage. Um, now, there were some present, this is Luke 13, verses 1 through 5. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And succinctly, what had happened there, this was an act of terrorism. Um, some some terrorists that, um, that uh, Herod had, had sent in to the, to the temple massacred some Galileans. <clears throat> and uh, I'm sorry, I said Herod, uh, Pilate, uh, you know, basically had soldiers or, you know, coming in as terrorists killed Galileans in worship and mm. mixed their blood with the sacrifices that they brought to the temple. Mm. So this would be, you know, contemporary language. This would be like terrorists, you know, coming into the church, you know, your, your worship service, killing um, some of the members and, and putting their blood in the communion cups. I mean, this is just a, a very evil, mm. but it's also a mocking. It's a very, it was a mocking mm. Uh, uh, act. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then Jesus brings up another incident that everyone who uh, read the J- Jerusalem uh, Times would have mm-hmm. remembered in their newspaper for those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless wow. you repent, you too will all perish. So um, here um, Jesus is, is answering or responding to the question and he, at this point where do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the others for those that were crushed? So the the mindset in that day was um, bad things happen to bad people, or if mm. if you think they were good people, well they were all, you think they were good people, but obviously, mm. so something like you know a tower falling on eighteen people in the middle of the day, um, wow, um, there must have something was going on, and God managed to huddle them under the the shadow of that tower and push it on them. Because that's just weird, and we can only speculate what was going on in their life. And and Jesus is really refuting that um, that this was some kind of judgment. That uh, this is punishment and, and and judgment. But he's getting at the the question that they had. Uh, we see elsewhere that Jesus' disciples had a question. You know, why why does this kind of thing happen? Where do we where do we pin the blame? But that's really part mm-hmm. of it, John. Where do where do we pin the blame? Who's responsible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we do that? Who is this? Who's responsible for yeah. Paris? Yeah. What happened there? Yeah. And that um well, this is where I go you know, in this in this passage you have because the first one is this this act of of evil 
which was, I mm-hmm. mean, there you have it. Way back, here's an act of terrorism, um, and, and the church isn't even a sacred place. And yeah. Increasingly, we're seeing both in Paris or you know, cafe or churches or synagogues or, or mosques or even hospitals. There, there is no sacred space mm. uh, any, yeah. anymore. Apparently. Um, so whether it's the direct uh, impact of, of evil or you know, suffering, which is you know, an accident like this tower falling or a car accident or a disease or an injury or a natural disaster. Um, so Jesus addresses you know, both both of those. But he, and, and here's where gosh, it, it can feel like that he's um, skirting Skirting mm-hmm. the issue, and that we're like um, Tom Cruise saying uh, in A Few Good Men, I want the truth. And, <laughs> and like, like Jesus is Nicholson going, You can't handle the truth. <laughs> I, I, don't really, I, don't really, I don't really see it that way. That's pretty but, good. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> was that pretty good? <laughs> um, <laughs> But I don't think Jesus is being a politician and skirting it, but you see in this passage and um, quickly that the other passage was when the disciples come across a blind man and they ask Jesus who who Mm -hmm. sinned. And he's been blind since birth. So who sinned, uh, him or his parents? And you, you can sort of since the disciples thinking, okay, this guy's been blind since birth, and what they've been told is, you know, if he's been blind since birth, that's a result of sin, and that they're going, okay, if if he's been blind since birth, how did he sin before he was born? So that doesn't make sense. And if blind because his parents sinned, that doesn't seem fair. So one doesn't make sense; the other doesn't seem fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, asking Jesus, so which is it? And he sort of says, uh, neither. Um, but this is <laughs> this has happened that that God may be glorified. Now, if people misunderstand that, it sounds like okay, God made this person blind so that I could do this miracle and make myself look good. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's not that. Again, you see um, Jesus take it from why did this happen to him to says the disciples that you know we need to. Um, I'm losing my place where, where where it is, but where he says, you know, the, the time is short. We need to be um, you know working while there's while there's while there's day. Oh yeah, while there's still uh, day. Right. Yeah. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Um, so he, he's saying to the disciples, well, you know, they want to focus on why did this happen to, to him. Yeah. Jesus moves the question to um, from them and and why to us to the disciples, and uh, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do next? You know, with, with, yeah, with, yeah. So now, so now what? And so he does that with yeah. with mm-hmm. that in Luke thirteen. Takes them from 
where they want to go, why did that happen to them? Mm -hmm. And transitions and says, let's talk about you and and let's talk about uh, yeah now okay help us uh, now H- help us with help us with this because i think this sounds as sounds like it could apply to you know us picking up our newspaper and finding out what's going on in paris and going why 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 what what do we do about that did we just kind of pass that off or or sit there and wonder and get depressed, or uh, do we get afraid, or what should our response be to these kinds of things that are so hard for us to even grasp? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know, John, whether it's something very, very personal or it's something you know almost global uh-huh. like that, is is to go ahead and, and acknowledge the, the the feeling of either. Uh, I'm I'm angry. I'm I'm scared. Uh, this is this is really discouraging. Um, mm-hmm. So go, oh, yeah, go ahead and feel that, acknowledge that, vent that, whatever. But at, at some point, then the question becomes: Okay, so what what am I going to do? What would be helpful? What would be um, a, a productive response to you know whether it's you know, such a tragedy, something that's happened in my own family, or something like that that happens in Paris, is if if all I do is uh, f- feel and and rant or feel and invent, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. one it doesn't help me, and that doesn't do anything for you know, folks folks in in, in Paris. Uh, one one of the things that that Cameron is doing this is just a small example. Um, Cameron's trying to get a hold of a of a high school in uh Paris and we've got someone like there's a affiliate a connection with a consul uh-huh. in France from somewhere in Nashville. But we're trying cool. to connect Cameron's high school with a high school in Paris and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and some others wanting to write notes to mm. these uh French French students to let them know mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're thinking about you and, and praying for you uh, to, 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 let, to, to let them know, you know, personally, send them handwritten notes to let them know um, there's folks across the pond that are, that are thinking of you. So, yeah. you, know, you know, ultimately what, you know, what, what can we do? We can't do everything. Um, what, what's within reason, what would be helpful? Um, but it it sounds like we need. Would you say, Raymond, that we need to live our own life then with maybe greater, just greater commitment and and intensity? Like, is get like what Jesus said. That today is the day. You know, work while it's still day because night is coming when no one can work anymore. You know, that one really hit me because I. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy I enjoy being lazy, and here's Jesus saying, "No, get to work because you haven't got much time." Um, am I interpreting that right? Then that when these awful things happen, uh, maybe part of my response is just my my own deeper commitment to to following Christ and doing what I'm doing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm hesitant to use this example, but um, you know, it's the difference between I think a more biblical and Christian response to, like, say, a natural disaster, like you know, when the uh, the earthquakes happened in, in Haiti, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. our friend on the 700 Club said um, that was God's judgment on Haiti for the, the years of, of voodoo. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I can't find anything helpful or even really no. logical about that response. Instead, you know, the response of Christians to both to go and uh, not just to, to send money, but to, to go. And Christian groups have continued to go and to stay there. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, initial and even celebrities, and that was great, you know, the, a lot of money early on, but. Um, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about the, the the Church of the Lord Jesus is that they'll keep going and will stay after it's no longer in the news and the film crews have, have left. But that was a more helpful to me, biblical Jesus-like response than yeah, you know, you know figuring figuring out you know how to who, who to blame for that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's their mm-hmm. fault because of that they basically invited. The earthquake on on themselves. Mm-hmm. Christian saying, yep. "We're not. I, we don't understand why this happened. This is this is terrible." Um, but if we're we're going, we're going to 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 be there. So, and again, you can't. I mean, you know, we're, I were talking about a topic last night. I said, "Yeah, you know, we we can't be concerned about um, everything." I think Stephen Covey talks about you know the circle of concern can be really large, but the circle of influence inside that circle you know is going to be smaller. You know, there's an area I can be concerned about a lot of things, but I can't act. I can't do everything. So what what is reasonable? What is manageable within my circle of concern? The things that bother me, the things that you know burden my heart. You know, I can I can do something. Yeah. You know, what can I do that would be, um, yeah, you know, meaningful and helpful to others, and would be meaningful to me. It's it's okay if I feel good doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. I maybe I have a time. We're getting slow, short on time, but I I want to I want to get real personal here because something happened last night that in my life that really sucks. And that's really the right word. It's nothing else I can say. <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah uh, that's a great word. We we have we have coyotes in in our town, and they come down from the hills, and we have not had rain for four years, and so the rabbit population is way down. And these guys are coming down, and they're getting our dogs and cats, and uh, so we've been trying to be real careful. We have three chihuahuas. Um, and we and uh, uh, you know we get, they're usually coming out at the night or in the early morning, so you know it just starts to get dusk. We put them in, make sure they're inside, doors closed, mm-hmm. you know. And, and uh, we've been you know, we still hear people sighting them. Our next door neighbor saw one just right right by our fence, you know. And then oh. I saw one even before that uh, on the other side of the fence, looking at my dogs. 
and it was oh. that close. So they're, but they're, I was coming, there. they're coming in into the na- in into the neighborhoods. They're well, wait till you hear this. In, yeah, in, not only into, into the neighborhood, yard. but I'll, I'll I'll shorten the story. How about into my house? That's what happened. In, last in your night. house? In my house. Yeah. In your the coyote house. Coyote came in into my house and got one of our one of our dogs and ran oh my off. Gosh. And the dog squealing, and I actually had to see it. Oh. It was the hardest thing, oh. awfulest thing I've oh seen. And and he had to, he had to pick he had to pick the dog that had the best personality and the most entertaining and and the one most attached to Marty's hip. You know, I just it, 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 oh god, it just it's been really affect. I can't believe how much oh. it affected me. Um, uh, just going through that experience. And yeah, it's just a dog, you know. We can get another one, you know. But yeah, we've had probably eight years with this dog, you know. And so, you, yeah. you know, you have a lot attached to that, and to see a, yeah. a, a wild animal carrying this, this, you know, person that you have all your your, your yeah. emotions attached to, uh, running off into the woods, you know, and uh, you know what's going to happen, and it's not, there's nothing you can do. It's mm-hmm. just it's so sad, and I just think that sucks. That's really all I can yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got you got not you know not just you know losing the dog, but in this you know hor- horrific. Not, yeah. Not just that you you can imagine yeah. it because you realize what happened, but you were you were seeing it. I, when I was a kid, I, I, was, I had a, yeah. I had sort of a paper. Well, not a paper route. I. I uh, I was selling subscriptions to uh, uh, TV Guide, and so my little Chihuahua Terrier mix was with me, and uh, a neighbor's German Shepherd was out and got a hold of you know my uh, my little mm. dog and sh- you know shook it and and uh, mm. it didn't and so yeah I, I'm I can picture yeah. I mean it's it. Yeah, unless people have and have had a beloved pet, um, you know, losing one mm-hmm. is terrible. But if you see, uh, I mean, it's sort of, it's traumatic. Yeah, yeah, it it, uh, it but, has. But my gosh, really coming inside been. your coming inside your home. Oh yeah, yeah, just wow. yep. So, you know, it's it's almost to now. Now he knows there are two more. Two more meals waiting for him because the other the three were all together. He just grabbed one of them. So, you know, now now we're it's like we're in siege. It's like, yeah. you know, I'm feeling like I'm feeling like he's just out there waiting for that one time we drop our guard. You know, yeah. and uh, so it's it's just a tough one. I'm yeah. I, I wrote a long I wrote a letter to the paper oh. because it, something's got to something's got to happen. You know, we I'm I'm. I'm in prison in my own house. <laughs> this is yeah. not, I don't yeah. I don't feel safe anymore, you know. Yeah. So, we're I don't want to get too deep into this, but you know, that sucks. And what are we going to do about something like that? Are we going to try and spiritualize that and come up with something good about that? Um something I'll learn in the long run or or what do what do we do? Do we just kind of just sit down and say, "God, that sucks. I mean, that's really all I want to say right now. Um, 
Yeah, because you know one of the things that I, I appreciate in, in scripture, and if you know if I had been in charge of, if I'd been God and been in charge of scripture, I, I wouldn't have let some of the people in the Bible say to me some of the things that they <laughs> that they got away with saying. Um, yeah. you know, David saying, you know, you're letting wicked people get away with stuff, and Job making his accusation, and um, uh, Jeremiah saying to God, you've you, you've set me up. You, know, you talk me into being this prophet thing, and these people are laughing their heads off. I mean, he's basically told God, "You're you've set you're setting me up." You know, Gideon says to to God, you know, when the Lord says, comes to him and says, "The Lord, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior," and Gideon says, "Oh, really? If uh, if the Lord is with us, then why are the Midianites kicking our butts every every fall like it's homecoming?" And it's, it's his way of saying, if you know, wow, if God's for us, I'd hate to see what it would be like mm-hmm. uh, if He's against mm-hmm. us. You know, friends like <laughs> friends like you, God, who needs enemies? And so there's this, mm-hmm. you know, very honest, um, um, you know, sort of letting God know, it, it, you know, almost bordering on on disrespect. And I hear Christians saying, you, know, you can't ask why. And I loved it. You know, one of your books was. Real Christians no. ask why. You know, true Christians yeah. ask, ask why. And yeah. one, we're going to, but I see multiple people in, in Scripture asking, mm-hmm. you know, a- asking yeah. God why. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that he can handle it. And I know our time's running out. But one of the things I, I try to help some of my clients, John, is that I, I, I let them know it's okay and even necessary to ask and, and wrestle with those mm-hmm. why questions. But ultimately, and one of the reasons that it needs, the question needs to move from why to, to now to now what, um, but ultimately the answers to the why questions aren't healing. Uh, answers don't heal. Um, mm. and, you know, explanations don't heal it. It may solve a little bit of the mystery, but you know, a parent who loses a child, the, the doctor that's you know, wow. says, well, it's because of, because of this. Okay, well, it may solve just a tad bit of the confusion and mystery of what happened, but do, you know, are they saying to the doctor, oh, okay, well, now that we you know that it was this rare virus, then we're mm-hmm. okay. Um, you know, it's the heart's cry. The the question of why is really coming from the heart, and the heart is not mm. healed by the intellectual answer of here's a reason mm. or, or an explanation. But here's the thing, John, is that the uh, answers don't heal. It's presence. Pre- presence is what heals. I was uh, 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 talking with a, um, a, a paramedic, and he was telling me how mm. When when a when a, a patient when someone they encounter someone who is in shock, one of the things you do with someone in shock is yeah you put a coat over, but you reassure them you you touch them and you you reassure them that you're not leaving them, and mm-hmm. whatever you you make every effort possible mm-hmm. to stay mm-hmm. with them, find some way to to get help. But a person who is in mm-hmm. shock. Um, Wow. What is most helpful is the physical presence of being there and telling them, "I'm, I'm not leaving mm-hmm. you." And I think, mm. um, you know, the same thing with, with us, with God, is that 
you know, ultimately his sense of presence and I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to be with, we're going to walk through this together. I know it. I know it sucks. I'm going to be with you. But wow. the, the answers, the explanations, that the reasons may solve a tad bit of the mystery, but answers don't heal. Uh, presence. Wow. That's why you know, sometimes we've experienced someone. Someone didn't need to have all the right answers. Just like, just sit with me. Uh, just, yep. just, just, just hold me. Just let me cry. You don't have to. Yeah. Have to tell me. Just, just sit there. Be with me. Yeah. Oh boy. Now that's that. This is. Thank you, Raymond. That that's helpful. I mean, the Lord just maybe just wants me to get get near Him and uh, and 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 let Him. That his presence do what it's supposed to do. That's that's really good. So I've 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 often uh, quoted a Bruce Coburn um, line, which I love from one of his songs. Is is uh, sometimes we just have to sit next to someone and kick at the darkness. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I like that picture. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. Well. Well, yeah, you know yeah, what? I I, I I join I join you in I, I join you in saying this 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 sucks. I'm I'm angry too. I'm yeah 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 yeah. But um, but the presence. I'm going to remember about that. I love that. Answers don't heal. Presence is what heals. Okay. One last question. Uh, yeah, I know you're, you're, I'm probably supposed to read the whole book to get the answer, but, <laughs> but Raymond, Raymond, when will my life not suck? When we get home to glory, John. When we get home. <laughs> we're we're not that? home yet. We're not home yet, brother. Um, but, uh, yeah. Well, because well, is- really the... the the you know because the the book that is, is grounded the in, the, in the, the yeah well we get home to the glory yeah because you know Jesus said in this in this life in this life you're going to have trouble but take courage I've overcome the world but he's and, and it's not doomsday you know weather forecasting but it's like a dose of reality okay and this okay you know when you're in this earth suit while you're living in this earth yeah. suit um, you know the, the crap happens but. That's that's not all there is to the story because you need to factor me <laughs> into the story because I'm I'm a pretty significant part of it. Fantastic, Raymond. I can't thank you enough. Thank you enough. Our time's up. We got to go. Um, let's stay in touch. This was great. Thank you. You you you, oh, you, you provide some healing for me. Yeah, beautiful. Here's our song, everybody, for tomorrow. If you're following the cats, I will still love you no matter what happens.
Are you still there, Raymond? Yeah, yeah. I, I was enjoying yeah. the song. I know, I, I know. I, the song. I forgot I had that song programmed for the end, and I I didn't leave time, so uh, unfortunately. But hey, thank you so much. That was uh, that went really well. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. I oh. I, I do appreciate that. Uh, that stuff in the end was really good. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I really, because you know, that that comes up so often. You know, yeah. Again, not so much in the global sense, but with so mm-hmm. many, you know, personal. I mean, and I didn't want to go into was it take more time, but I mean, I've got a client right now. I've got to call her back later tonight. I mean, her her husband leaves her, has not communicated with her during the separation, files, and she she's confirmed that there's not someone else but he hasn't told her really why he's he's divorcing um and so mm-hmm. i mean she's she's trying to put these puzzle pieces together and solve this mystery of well two things you know, and she was just uh, was meeting with her today of why why is he doing this how how could he do this and then she's, you know, really wrestling with God. You know, you know, we're Christians. This can't be God's will. Why isn't God changing His heart? Why isn't Why is God allowing mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And um, and she's gotten the papers and the and the. I mean, it's going to be final on on the fourth. And I said, I I totally agree with you because you know i'd like to put the guy in a headlock because what he's doing is wrong and how he's handling it and treating you is completely unfair and she's totally left to completely speculate as as to the why and she's she's getting getting stuck there meanwhile the the divorce is happening she's been a little bit in in denial and and trying to figure out what she can do to change, change his mind and i said to her you um you know, you're gonna you're gonna need to move from sort of being this detective that's trying to solve the mystery and and we're a mechanic trying to fix this. Really sort of being a weather forecaster and no you know, weather forecaster saying this is this is what's coming so that you can you can prepare and and adjust, um, and wow, probably yeah. the, you know the, probably the the most helpful still the most I mean the most helpful thing at the end of the day a year from now probably a year from now John she wouldn't be able to remember a thing I said, but yeah, she, you know hopefully mm-hmm. she'll remember that it was me being present and allowing her to 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 feel that and for her to feel cared for. And mm. um, so, yeah, I just I keep going back to and seeing that over and over that yeah. need, need to let people and, and affirm them wrestling with that because our brains don't do ambiguity. Mm-hmm. We need to try to attribute yeah. cause, but at the end of the day, the the reasons and the explanations fall short of of healing. They just they just do. Um, that is yeah. That is 
Yeah. This is terrible about your dog. I can't. Golly. <laughs> Coming in the house and. I mean, I, I still remember, and I was a kid, I still remember that German Shepherd picking up. Mm-hmm. I'm so embarrassed by yeah. the name because I didn't say it on the air. The dog's name was Sugar Pop. And I so. Um, <laughs> You know, picked up sugar pop and like you know shook it like a rag yeah. doll. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. and that was out in someone else's. This this is like coming in your house. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. It's not good. So we'll see. I mean, there's got to be. They've tried to trap some of them, and and uh, you know they. It's definitely a, a getting to be a big problem. And and they will attack humans. Uh, and it's been, will, will they? You know, they? They will. There have been 35 instances in the last few years just in Southern California. Uh, only one uh, fatality human, that uh, I know uh, of. Uh, but children. But 30, 35, attack, 35 attacks of humans by coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. In In like about four or five years. Mm-hmm. None of them fatal. Uh, usually, they they get a, they'll they'll get uh, a child or something like that, and then and some someone will be near enough to chase them off. As soon as you start, you know, going after them, you know, they'll run. You know, they won't stay. Uh, but uh, that, boy, that, that romantic, there's nobody that around. Romantic. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so this is like in the in the in the well. You said this was around dusk. Um, yeah, actually, this was at night. It was almost eight, was almost eight o'clock. Yeah. Gosh. You know, that, well, you know, my the, friend, the image of the of the of the western of the you know the coyote howling yeah. at, the, at the moon. <laughs> yeah. you know, that romantic yeah. image. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> not the way I'm thinking about him right real. now. <laughs> <laughs> right. You ought, you ought to give oh, some boy. thought to uh, you know a, a cat or a, a dog decoy that has you know like a, a fake little, little dog or cat <laughs> decoy that has explosives in it. Just a thought. Oh jeez. <laughs> just yeah. Just, just a, delayed just a explosives, so it doesn't blow my house up. Delayed, you know, so they <laughs> you know, got to get away with. It. <laughs> well, I was thinking. Oh well. Outside the house. I was thinking putting it outside the house, John, not inside the house. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, my it was, pleasure. It was I fun. It. It was just, was... just fun to use the word "suck" on my show a whole bunch of times. I <laughs> I really like that part of it. That was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh boy, I got tons to do. We got uh, we got our son coming home tomorrow night, and. Uh, Yes, very right. excited yeah. about that. And then, we've got, and then y'all yeah. are heading up. Mm-hmm. And y'all are hitting the road because I know your son's coming. Yeah. And y'all are doing Thanksgiving away from this town. So right, right, right. You know, you know, got miles, miles so, to go before you sleep, and miles to go before you sleep. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, great. It's just great to connect with you again. Thank you so much. And yeah, uh, I really. Yeah. Um, hey, real quick before, because I, I meant to mention this on this, and uh, I, said, I, don't even, I don't even know if you know this is in the in, in the book, um, in the acknowledgments um, that 
uh, in the acknowledgments. Yeah. I have. <clears throat> I'm indebted to authors. I'll tell you this, and I'll uh, let you out, kick you. I'll let you go and kick you out. I'm indebted to authors who have mentored me from afar. Calvin Miller, Ken Geyer, Philip Yancey, John Fisher, Frederick Buechner, Brennan Manning, and Richard Rohr. Wow. Um, <clears throat> well, that's uh, that's, that's really true, quite, quite a company. That's that's quite a company there. Oh. You know, er, er, early early on for me, as a as a thinker and a writer, um, you were really early. Um, it's like, and it shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. You were really sort of breaking the mold and, and questioning uh, mm. the, the legalism and saying and questioning, is this really authentic? Mm-hmm. And you know, that's that's not that unusual now. I mean, my title presses that issue, but in terms of you know mm-hmm. content of books, you know, authenticity and being real, and that's that's not new now. But at the time that you were writing some of those things. Um, that 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 was new to me, and it was encouraging to me personally. But also, it felt like that it gave me permission as both a speaker to single adults as well as a writer to um, not not be unconventional for uh, novelty's sake, but to be authentic. And I wanted you to want you to know that you were why well, I put you in there because wow. you were. One of those mentoring, you know, authors from afar that influenced my thinking and ultimately my my writing, how I well how I relate to God and how I encourage others to. So thank you. Well, listen, that's great. Thank you. I really, I really do appreciate that, and I it's an honor to be in in that uh, in that group. <laughs> so uh, thank you, thank you. All right. Right. Okay. A happy okay, happy friend. Thanksgiving, and, uh, and Thank we'll look too. forward to staying in touch. Okay, beautiful. All right. All right. Thanks, John. Good night. Bye.